Welcome to the Angry Microwave Podcast. I'm Brad, and with me, as always, I say always, we do these shows once a year. It's editor of the AngryMicrowave.com, Callum. Callum, how you doing? I'm good, thanks. See, we need to build the anticipation. I think that's why we leave so much. Because <laughs> could you imagine giving out this much quality content on a weekly basis? I know it's it's it wouldn't be fair, would it? We'd have to charge for it. <laughs> So what we're going to be doing on this week's episode, or this year's episode, um, is <laughs> we'll be going through our top 10 films of uh, of last year. Um, it's crazy to think back to 12, 13, 14 months ago to the films that were coming out uh, in January time, which I'm sure, like me, a lot of your films will come from because they are the Oscar-nominated films, which is when obviously us over in the UK, that's when we get our films. Um, but it's I think 2018 was overall quite a, a strong year for, for film, uh, from what I can remember, but... Obviously, 2019 is, is looking like ahead of a year. Um, but going back through uh, through these films and picking out my top ten, I did have difficulty. We've got a little friend there. Uh, we do. Uh, we do. Uh, I did have a little bit of difficulty narrowing down from like a, a top fifteen to a to a top ten. So this year, I think it was more like this. Going to sound really cliche, but I haven't got that indie film on my list. I think the quality of mainstream films, as we were saying before, are so much higher this year that they've really just like infiltrated like the norm. And rather than having those massive blockbusters and really small indie films, there seems to be a nice little middle space that's kind of appeared out of it, I would say. A hundred percent. I think the it's it's no longer a case of the um like the indie film is like the the only place to go for high quality content. Now I think you've got these hundred, two hundred, three hundred million dollar films that are actually completely smashing out of the park. Um, just to show how <laughs> out of spring of things I am, I have forgot to put my charger in. <laughs> <laughs> I actually was going to use the uh, the office uh, downstairs today, but my uh, fiance. But that's how long it's been since we last recorded a podcast. I'm engaged in everything now. Um, two kids. <laughs> two, yeah, two kids and one. Yeah, yeah. That's all I do. Thanks. Um, yeah, but the, the office is in use, which is why I'm I'm in the the bedroom at the moment. Right. So should we uh, cut to it? Um, I know we've we've already provided some high quality content already uh, but let's go through our uh, 10 to 1 uh, favourite films of the year as I say a lot of films were left off the list and no doubt that uh, a lot of the films that were in yours didn't make mine or vice versa or, or maybe we've got the exact same top 10 uh, who knows uh, so let's start with your uh, number 10 film of 2018 and why so yes. for number 10 I put Assassination Nation oh okay so- Weirdly, I saw this while I was in America in September, I mean it was at the London Film Festival, and then it came out after. But um, I really enjoyed it. It was like a very like Tarantino-esque film that I just really enjoyed, and it kind of came out of nowhere for me. I literally had no idea what the film was. It was the only film playing at like 11.30pm, and I was like, you know what, fuck it, I'll go and see this, because I knew it that it had been included in the programming for London Film Festival. So I was like, I'll save a film on my schedule there and go and see it while I'm over there. I really enjoyed it. It's proper like bloody. It's really over the top, but I just, yeah, I really enjoyed it. Have you seen it or heard anything about it? Or no, it's one of those films that's actually quite hard to catch. Um, I know there's a bit of an issue with the marketing for the film, um, and I know there's a bit of a backlash about the film, uh, the film's release. I'm not too sure why that was because I haven't seen the haven't seen the film myself. But it's definitely on my to watch list because, although not many people that I know have seen it, those that have have said it is incredible. Yeah, it literally came out of left field for nowhere for me, and I really enjoyed it. It was that Tarantino-filled hole that I've had in my life quite recently, where he where he's been working on his new projects that I haven't really had. So I, it was definitely welcomed arrival for me. 
I'll, I'll definitely check that out, or I won't. Who knows? Uh, so <laughs> at, uh, at number ten for me, I've got Annihilation, uh, which was, as you said, it kind of filled a certain hole uh, that you were looking to fill. <laughs> um, the, this this sci-fi film was was completely original. Uh, I I loved the I loved the concept. I loved the production of it, and uh, it's a film that you know. T- two hours later, I'm like, I was blown away. I could do with with more. That could easily have been a five-hour film, and I would have loved it just as much. There's just so much. The world was so rich, um, and it's quite quite scary in places, which I think great sci-fi uh, almost has uh, has to be. I was so gutted that this one didn't have a cinema release. Yeah, there's one of those Netflix releases where they didn't put it in any cinemas at all. I think they had one screening, which was announced after it came out. Because I was literally looking to go and see it in a cinema because it looks so gorgeous by the trailer. And I was gutted that I couldn't. Yeah, it's it certainly was the kind of film that if you saw it in a, you know on the big screen, on the bigger screen, I'm sure it looked great in IMAX, even though it wasn't shot in IMAX. You know, it's, it just looked beautiful. Um, but is it Alex Garland uh, who who made the film? Like, he's done so many great things. Later, he wrote yeah. it as well. Yeah. And directed Dex Machina. He hasn't put a, a foot wrong. In my opinion, uh, and this is just a, a another great film uh, in his uh, catalogue of you know a, a flawless uh, catalogue in my opinion. Um, but yeah, it's a great sci-fi. It was it was original and contained all the elements of of, uh, of a great sci-fi film. Yeah, it definitely reminded me of Arrival the year after, where like where it had that kind of like mysteriousness. And it was one of those films. So when I first watched it, I wasn't fully on board with it. But like as soon as I started reading up about all the like metaphors and all the readings that people have yeah. like found from this, it's fascinating, and I'm dying to go back and watch it. So, and I think that's that's one of the points. Going back to what you're saying about it not having a cinema release, I think when you watch certain things at home, you're you're more uh, exposed to well more opportunities to be distracted essentially. And a film like that that contains so many metaphors and so many like. Uh, like subtle uh, clues or subtle hints to a larger picture. Um, I think you, you sometimes miss some of those if you're watching it just, you know, at home when your kids are running around. This is why I'm really worried to go and watch Roma at home because it's one of those like slow but great films. Yeah. I'm really worried that I'm going to get distracted so I kind of need to like sit myself down, turn my phone off and just focus on watching that only. But it's so hard like in this day and age when there's so much shit. Yeah. It's like beeping or going off. Yeah, I was surprised that it didn't get a cinema release but, you know, a, a, a great film uh, done that's I certainly recommend everyone uh, checking that one out what do you have at number 9? so I, I have Black Clansman at number 9 oh okay this film was fucking brilliant again <laughs> it, was, it, it was one of those films that just like appeared from nowhere like I think it was like a 2 or 3 month delay from when the US one got released and there wasn't much buzz about it but like the fact it's like still like doing well in cinemas like even on even on like one off screenings now kind of proves how good it is because it literally built from like one or two screens and then, and then more the week after and now it's this Oscar nominated film like who would have guessed that that, that, that this film would have been Oscar nominated and completely it's, deserves to be I mean Adam Driver everyone in it's great and it's mm-hmm. just like it's, it's just such a good story told in a way that I don't really think we've seen recently so yeah have you seen uh, that? Yes, I have, and I love the film a lot, and I'll be talking a bit more about it a little <laughs> later on. Uh, so I'll, I'll bypass that one uh, for now. Uh, and number nine, I've got Widows, um, a film that I uh, enjoyed quite a lot. I love, I love Steve McQueen. Uh, again, I've, everything that he's uh, he's directed, uh, which granted, it, it doesn't have a huge catalogue of films, um, but the films that he has made to this point have have all been so unique and different um, that it, widows just like hunger, uh, shame, uh, twelve years a slave. There's just something that 
the way that Steve McQueen makes films, you think you're going to watch one thing and then he just smacks you around the head with, with something completely different. Uh, I loved the, the few twists that are in this film. I thought all the performances were were incredible, uh, and for me, it's my you know my my ninth favorite film of 2018. I'm guessing you disagree. So, so I love this film up until the twist. Okay, it was very unneeded. I I thought that twist was not needed in that film, and then and then for like 10, 15 minutes afterwards, explaining that twist, I feel like it just goes off the rails slightly, and until it then goes back into it. But that's just my opinion on. Okay. That so it didn't, didn't make your top 10 then? <laughs> no, I mean, it was close. Like, it probably would have been like 13 or 14 if we were making yeah. a longer list because everyone acts the fuck out of that film. Like, 100%, yeah. Daniel Kalula, when he's in that, um, like, meeting hall square thing, it's fucking ridiculous what happens in that scene. It's yeah. so in your face acting. In the school that, gymnasium. Yeah. That, yeah, that, that's it's, it. it's incredible. It's, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it literally, I literally nearly trapped myself watching that. It yeah. just came up absolutely nowhere, and it was. I, I certainly think in the next few years he he's going to be everywhere, and he deserves to be because his his performances are, you know, incredible. I mean, moment. if he's pumping out Get Out and then this last year, what's going to be, what's going to be this year now? Like it's it's it's, it's going to be crazy seeing him grow as an actor if he can grow any further. Get, like anyone, how good he is. Yeah. Yeah, but I'm looking forward to seeing whatever he's got uh, coming out next. What do you have at number nine? Number eight. So number, number eight. eight. <laughs> <laughs> I have Steven Spielberg's The Post. I think it's one of those films that people kind of forgot came out this year. Mm-hmm. I I thought it was a great like biopic kind of film. Um, Tom Hanks is great in it. It's a bit it's a bit paint by the numbers, but I'm a suck of this kind of thing. So I so we're speaking before like like I just saw Vice and absolutely loved Vice. And I feel like this is in the same kind of like large political biopic genre that I'm really into at the moment. And I thought, all up until that post credit scene, this is the perfect film. Yeah. Do you mean the, uh, the just before the credits, wasn't it? Or was it like yeah, during the, the credits? Yeah. yeah the Watergate was, thing. And yeah, it's like, was, what are you doing, Spielberg? Yeah. You don't need to put these pro- like... Yeah. Tease of the films you're never going to make into it. Yeah, that that for me was was a strange one. I, I agree. I, that was close to coming into my top ten. Um, a film that I thought looked from the trailers and the the nature of it. I think it looked quite dry, and I think that's maybe why it didn't do better than than it perhaps should have done. Uh, but it's it, it is a great film. Uh, it's, well, it's just kind of crazy. But bearing in mind this and Ready Player One came out in the same year, and they're two contrasting like different films and, and it's testament to how good of a filmmaker Spielberg still is what a controversial statement <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's one of the best and always will be you know it's, it's like you say <coughs> what he can he put together in the same year you know he's he's targeting two completely different demographics tackling two completely different subjects two different genres uh, and you know he's the man yeah, if, he? you'd, yeah if you didn't know it was Spielberg and Mary's films like you wouldn't be able to have guessed no. They're by the same director. No, and you know the fact that he can churn them out as as well and as efficiently as he does. It's it's unlike anything else. But no, he's <laughs> he's he certainly um, he certainly has a talent. The old boy. Uh, <laughs> uh, I reckon he'll go far. <laughs> I think he'll go far. I think he'll go far. Uh, my number eight is a documentary. Um, mm. It's They Shall Not Grow Old, the uh, Peter Jackson documentary uh, that was released on the centenary of um, World War One. Um, have you seen They Shall Not Grow Old? So I've not seen this film, but I watched the hour and a half documentary behind the film that was in BBC Four. 
okay. aired at the same time. Right. And it was fascinating seeing how much enthusiasm Peter Jackson had for this project. Like, it's insane, like, the lengths they went to. And, I, and, and so that film kind of went into the fact that, like, all of this stuff that he was making and recolouring, he was using his personal archives from the war to make sure it all lined up, which is... It's just it's just really nice to see a filmmaker of, of like his pedigree using his passion for something that's gonna literally go down in history and will be like a really like massive key point for these generations going forward to learn it's, about this event. It's very rare, I think, that I'd I'd put a, a documentary in my my top ten films of the year because a lot of the time when we're running down uh, films like this, we often are talking about. Um, you know, fiction, but I think the film is so important and it was delivered in such a way where, like you said, you can just tell that like so much enthusiasm and love went into that film. Uh, and it, I think it is an important film. I think it's a film that uh, should be shown in schools uh, because it certainly does add a, a new aspect to to what... It's almost opened a new door to what we can see and what we can learn from the First World War. Uh, and I think it just makes it even more heartbreaking. Uh, but for me, it's it's a fantastic film and deserves to be in the, the top ten, one of my favourite top ten uh, films of the uh, of the year. Um, so, yeah. so so number seven for you, Sea Dog. What do you have? <laughs> hey, what? Okay, that's so would you call me Sea Dog? Because that work with someone at the moment that's convinced of making that a nickname for me. <laughs> Sorry, just very sore subject there. <laughs> okay, I only apologise. <laughs> <laughs> so at number seven, I put um, Coco. Oh, okay. This, this was Pixar's return to best original content. I thought it was a great original concept. It it, it celebrated that culture in a, in a way like we haven't really seen before. Except from apparently the Box Trolls is a film that basically has the same plot, but I'm yet to see this. Right. <laughs> but I, I really enjoyed it. Um, I thought the music was great and it looked gorgeous. So, like, bearing in mind that The Incredibles 2 came out this year, and I kind of think The Incredibles 2 kind of didn't really, like, fulfil everyone's needs for that film, or at least in my opinion. It was just a fine instalment. This had way more impact on me as a film. That's, uh, I, I think it is important to note just how strong um, animated films were last year. Like, there were so many great um, animated films. It's not on my list uh, of you know, my favourite animated films of the year. In fact, I don't really like the film. Uh, but it was just... It was, it was really hard, though, to bypass, like, just how much effort went into making a film like that because the animation is flawless. Um, the story didn't really connect with me, uh, but it's a film when I was watching it, I couldn't help but, like, every so often just pause it and just admire just everything that is in the frame because... The film is more than just what you see. There's so much in the frame. There's so much detail in that film. Um, the colours are gorgeous. Yeah, it's, yeah, and it's it's animated to to shit that film. Like honestly, <laughs> it it is so beautiful to look at. You could literally take a frame of this film and put it in a frame, and it'll be art. Like it's that kind of level where every scene looked gorgeous. Yeah, but like you say, you wouldn't really expect anything less at this point uh, from. Uh, from them but it's it's yeah but the story didn't really connect with me as i say but i can understand why uh, why it's like the film <laughs> that sounded really patronizing didn't it? <laughs> thank you for your approval that's all right uh for me at number seven we have a uh we have a little film called avengers infinity war um, oh okay. it's just one of the films that i went in obviously really highly anticipating i'm a i'm a comic book guy uh i love these these movies um and it was just incredible. 
um, like just everything down from the ending, uh, down to the ending, like it's paced perfectly. Uh, it's just an amalgamation of ten years of being with these characters, and I just thought it was it was an excellent part one to the point where it doesn't re- that the whole franchise could have ended there, <laughs> right? <laughs> and it would have pissed a lot of people off. But All the film billions of dollars for <laughs> right. shareholders. But but the film is so good in its own right that it's, it's, I can't fathom just how much time and excruciating effort must have gone into making something like that. Uh, I'm assuming you've seen the film, Callum. So I'm going to shut up on this topic because this oh, okay. film may reappear later on in my list. <laughs> okay, right, okay. Um, so we'll move on to our number six favourite films of 2018. Uh, for you, what do you have? So I, I would like to make a disclaimer that I really hope my dad doesn't watch this podcast right. because... <laughs> Right. It's at number six is Mamma Mia, here we go again. <laughs> right. I was forced in to go and see this film with my mum. This is like the coolest of stories. And I kind of fell in love with this film. Like, I haven't seen the first one. It's such a great, like, uplifting musical that I went in ready to hate and it just took me by surprise so much. It's, it's like, everyone in it was great. Like, the songs were great. Like, I can't really believe I'm saying this. Like, it... If you'd have told me before, I would have been saying this about this film. I would have just not believed you. But it was just one of those films that really took me like by surprise. Yeah, I, I agree. It's not in my top ten, surprisingly. Um, <laughs> but it's it's one of those films where, you know, I, I thought the first one was was okay. You know, I knew the, I knew the songs and it was a nice time. But I, I went to the the cinema to to watch this because my fiance wanted to watch it so he couldn't really say no uh and i've i ended up just you know i was tapping my feet and i was having a good time and for someone who's not a, a massive abba fan i didn't know half the songs that were in uh, that film mm. and i come away you know I, I came away seeing them something i didn't do with with mary poppins for example you know <laughs> do you not know made it for me pierce brosnan's solo in mary <laughs> no, not, not me. here we go <laughs> well pierce brosnan he tries his best he's a worker that's was- I was watching. I was like, "Why are you putting this in this film?" Like, I hadn't seen the first Mamma Mia, but clearly it was quite a well-known thing. That he's not a great singer. Someone decided to put a solo of him in this film. Uh, but no, it's it, it is a great. Uh, it's a fun, entertaining, uh, entertaining time. Um, but not in my top ten. But I can see why you'd, you'd put it in there. <laughs> I'll text your dad now. And let him know. Oh, thanks. <laughs> uh, we have a slightly different film at my number six, uh, which is Black Landsman. Uh, going back to what we were saying earlier, uh, it's a film that. I was really enjoying. Um, I thought it was powerful. Uh, obviously, an incredible, incredible film. And then the last ten minutes just made me cry. Um, just seeing how relevant this topic is today, when it absolutely shouldn't be, um, and just seeing what some uneducated buffoons are doing that are in power to just escalate the problems. Um, I, I couldn't help but shed a tear or two. Uh, but it's, it's certainly a film that stayed with me. Uh, it's one of the first films that I put on on this list because I knew it was going to make my top ten because I saw it what five months ago and I'm still thinking about it now. Um, but it's certainly a, a film that that stayed with me. At number five, what do you have? So another Spielberg film, Ready Player One. Interesting. I, ab- I absolutely adore this film. I know that I'm a sucker for taking in all these pop culture references because <laughs> because if it, if it feels really wrong because I know that they're playing on me like specifically to like this film. But I really fucking enjoyed it, and it was just one of those. It was just one of those films like you, you go for the ride on it. Um, I saw it in IMAX for the first time when I saw this, 
and it was one of those films that is made for IMAX. Like the sound was incredible, the screen was massive, and they've got it on again next month um, as part of Cineworld's IMAX Fest. And I'm going up to London and see it again because I can't really miss that opportunity to see this film on such a large screen again. It was just, yeah, it, it, it blew me away, this film. And I wasn't really expecting it to. Yeah, I, I, I agree to an extent. Like, the film is, is made for, for people like us. You know, well, any little reference that's in the background, we're like, I, I know this one. I, I know it's this got a fucking Iron Giant in. <laughs> right. Any film with the Iron Giant is going to be in my top ten list. I, I don't think it... For me, it didn't really work as a, as a narrative on its own. I don't think it was pieced together as well as perhaps I wanted it to. But that's not to say I disliked the film because there's so much in there that just gave me, you know, a little... And uh, <laughs> I was I was just blown away with just the incredible, the incredible detail. And as you say, like, compare this to The Post, which was released <laughs> in the same year, like... That sounds crazy to even mention those two in the same sentence yeah, now. Yeah, it, it does. Um, but it's, it is it's, it is a, an enjoyable film, and I can see why a lot of people are in love with this film. It does seem quite polarising, but I think it was always going to be, wasn't it? A film yeah, I think, like that. Yeah, I think... I think people were quite aware on how much they were going to play with the bulk, with the references as well, and try and get that in point because I don't think it made a huge ton of money either. I think it just made enough. But yeah, I I really enjoyed it. So for me, it's it's number five on my list. Yeah, for my number five is Ladybird. Um, I don't know if you've you've seen this film at all. Uh, it's yeah. just it's just a film that I was in love with. It's, it's right down my street, like the. The, just the whole tone of the film from start to finish. I was laughing. I felt sad. Like I just fell in love with the characters because it's probably one of the realest films that I've seen in 2018. Uh, it just felt like I could relate to to any number of you know threads and narrative threads in that film, uh, and I I personally loved that very much. Thoughts? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I um. Again, it's one of those films that I went in thinking I was going to love it more than what I actually did. Okay. But, I mean, Greta Gerwig, like, anything she touches at the moment literally goes to gold. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's, it's just another great um, coming-of-age story. But but for me, there was a better coming-of-age story that came out this year that kind of, like, fulfilled that, like, need for me. So Okay. That, Are you going to talk I'll about that a bit later? About, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Tease. Okay. Fair enough. So, we'll move on to our number four uh, favourite films of the year. What do you have? So running, so my list has four films that I saw in IMAX this year, and this is the second one that I saw in IMAX so far. Um, and this is Mission Impossible Fallout. What a fucking film! Incredible like... film, in, absolutely <laughs> incredible film. Um, I will talk about it a little bit later on, um, but it's okay. it's fantastic. Honestly, from start to finish, that film is. It's perfect, yeah. isn't it? As as it's as good of an action film as you can hope to find. It's literally it's it's I, I feel really bad being British and saying this, but I think this is like fulfilled Bond's spot at the moment. Mm-hmm. While James Bond is fucking around, doing doing whatever they're doing, sacking Danny Boyle. I mm-hmm. mean, not gonna be a great start there if you're sacking <laughs> Danny Boyle. But like, it's just really like fulfilled that spot for me that kind of James Bond has kind of lost in recent years. Like Bond doesn't really do many stunts by himself that more. I don't think like. I feel like Pierce Brosnan kind of had that like gimmick and then it kind of got a bit lost with Daniel Craig. And now you look at Mission Impossible where Tom Cruise is literally like stalling helicopters and going down fucking cliffs. Like The the greatest thing about this franchise is like the it's almost like the 
the stuff that's surrounding the film. Like, the fact that we know, we see like, behind-the-scenes the pictures, yeah, that we know that he's doing all of these stunts. In fact, two nights ago, my fiance and I watched um, Mission Impossible um, Ghost Protocol, and just to think that he's still doing films like that was number four in the franchise and like the yeah. stuff that he was doing whether he's on wires or not dangling off you know the tallest building in the world or dangling off helicopters or hanging off cliffs like he's doing it all for real and you can't help but have your, your breath taken away when well even when he well even when he broke his ankle and then went on the Graham Norton show like two days later or whatever it was mm-hmm. like what other film productions would let people do that Mm-hmm. I was listening to the Empire spoiler cast that they made about this, All which I definitely recommend. <laughs> yeah, it's so fucking good, though. Literally, it's worth every minute. And they were talking about how they just like didn't really have a script, and they just went out and shot stuff mm-hmm. and, hoped to, and hoped for it to work. And it's just crazy that, like, in this day and age, the productions are allowed to do that. It kind of shows how much faith they have in Cruise and McCoy. Is that his name, the director? Uh, Chris McQuarrie, yeah. That's it. So, I, I, <laughs> and I'm really excited for them to come back and make and make the next two, which is great news for me. Because to be honest, I couldn't really care much about the Top Gun sequel, mm-hmm. but knowing that these two are, are now coming straight after that, yeah, I'm I literally can't wait for it. Yeah, because he was the first director to to do multiple uh, Mission Impossible films because he directed five as well. Um, and the fact that they might bring him back for a sixth, I'll be completely happy with. Uh, because and this franchise, I think, from the third one, has just gone from strength to strength. Uh, every film just keeps getting better and better. Uh, yeah, and I start. I started watching the first one before this, so I watched one and two, and this series has come so far since, literally, since like the first and second one. They're like completely different films now. They are. Uh, I I can I completely I completely agree. And actually, going into this, uh, my. Fiance asked me, so do I have to have watched the first three to see the fourth one when we were watching um, Ghost Protocol? And I said, you know what? These films work as serials, I think. Like, you can easily go into these films and just watch that one and not see any of the others because they work so well in their own right. Uh, and the fact they're making all of these films feel so different uh, is, is ballsy. But I think it's, it's something that's really working well for them. <laughs> and also, the cold open of this film's fantastic. I was not expecting it. I was like, fucking hell, this film's dark. Mm. And then as soon as the thing happens, I'm like, yeah. okay, yeah. we're back on track. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, like I say, especially now there's a bit of a hole with, with Bond, and that's becoming a bit of a laughing stock now. Like, obviously, we don't have the Bond films. Like, it really is the, um, like the franchise, I think, uh, for, for this kind of genre. Yeah, definitely. And I... I, I and I think um, some of the films were shot in IMAX and it just looked stunning as well. Yeah, and which is why it's also my number four. Uh, so we'll go to, <laughs> go to our uh, top three now. Uh, what do you have? So controversial, I really enjoyed Love, Simon. Have you seen Love, Simon? I have. I, I thought it was an incredible film, actually. I, I Literally, it was my coming of age story this year. It was such a good, like, that genre of film. Obviously, I preach about how good Boyhood is. Because mm-hmm. it's literally one of the best ones ever made. Fucks. And this is literally up there for it. <laughs> I just absolutely adored this film again. I thought I thought it was great and it hit all the notes and it's gonna represent a massive generation of people coming up. And I thought, yeah, it was really, really good. It was it, it was a film that I wasn't really emotionally um ready for. Um it's it's a film that struck certain chords in such a a relatable um a relatable and 
thoughtful way. It didn't. Nothing about that film felt, felt like it was thrown together at all. It felt like a film that people cared about when they it were making. It was done so delicately as well. Like, yeah. Like bearing yeah. in mind, like what it could have been, it was done mm-hmm. so delicately. Yeah. Which was needed. Mm-hmm. I 100 percent uh, agree. Uh, number three, I have. I've cheated. I've got two. Um, <laughs> I, I couldn't. I couldn't not have one of these films um, in my top three. So I've got three billboards. Um, and I've got Isle of Dogs. Um, I'll talk about them um, briefly, just because, you know, I, I, I did cheat a little bit. Isle of Dogs was one of those films that I still think about every now and then. Uh, it's just a film that stayed with me. I thought it was cute as hell. I thought it was funny. I thought it was charming. Uh, and it was just so original. Like every film that Wes Anderson does, it's, it just feels like I've never seen anything like it before. Uh, and Three Billboards um, still... To this day, I don't think I've ever been more surprised at how much I've loved a film going in expecting to find it meh. Uh, that that surpassed all expectations. Um, and yeah, if, if I didn't have two films that I saw more recently, perhaps uh, Three Billboards would have been my number one or number two. Uh, but at number three, I've got Three Billboards and I've got Isle of Dogs. Um, so I thought Isle of Dogs looked gorgeous. I saw their um, exhibition in London where they had some of their sets. And it's kind of incredible that this kind of animation is still supported by these like key directors, because if not, I think it'll be lost in this day and age. If it wasn't for these big star directors, then these sorry, these big name directors, it would be dead by now, wouldn't it? Yeah, exactly. And it's the same with film, like Christopher Nolan. It's just really nice to have those people so invested in film still up there and still making their shit. Um, but as as for the film, I didn't really like the film as much. But okay. it was one of those films where I could just look at it and be like sit there in awe of the animation. So yeah. it's kind of one of those two kind of things. Yeah. Um, three billboards. Woody Harrelson is the unsung hero of this film. Oh, like, I 100%. I don't, I don't hear enough people sp- sp- literally speaking about his performance. He was so, he came out of nowhere for me. It was one of those actors that I didn't really... Like, I knew, like, I knew him from, like, Zombieland and, like, Hunger Games and all those kind of films, but I'd never really seen him, like, take his hand at a drama film. And I thought he absolutely smashed it in this. <laughs> It did, and like the narrative of of his character, I think it had to be played in such a way where the most uh, unsympathetic character had to be sympathetic, um, or vice versa. Uh, that the it's just yeah, I, I won't go into spoilers or anything, but it's a film that certain scenes in that film still stay with me. And when people are like, oh, you know, can you recommend a film? I, I always think of a certain scene in that film that's like you need to you need to watch that one but i can't say what it was because it's the last scene so <laughs> and sam rockwell also gave an exceptional yeah. performance in that film like... i think everyone in it even the even like the the younger characters or the younger actors in that film i think everyone played their part spectacularly um but i won't go on too much about my number three because i, I do have uh, two films what do you have in your top two what your your second favorite film of 2018 so closing up with my third imax film i've also got a fourth one coming up um, is Avengers Infinity War. Oh, okay, here we I, go. <laughs> I mean, we kind of spoke about it before, like like having that many characters and, no, and for nothing to go wrong with this film at all, really, let's be honest. There wasn't a point in that film where I thought it was a chore to watch through. It went so quickly. I think it was like two and a half hours long, but it felt like 90 minutes because there's so much shit happening. And, and and to get that balancing act done right, like bearing in mind so much of the action was on one planet or somewhere else, it, it, it just worked so well. Like, I... I I would hate to see the edit timeline of this film. Like it must have been an absolute pain to have done. But like all those characters coming together for the first time, like it was the first time we saw Guardians really with other people, and it just all like worked so much. And like 
I kind of worry about James Gunn not being around any longer, but then seeing how the Guardians were handled in this film, like, it just makes me feel like, like I'm still in safe hands with this universe. And I don't think there's a more anticipated film at the moment than um, Avengers Endgame. Yeah, but I I think you'll be hard pressed to to find any like big movie fan that's looking forward to anything that isn't well maybe Lion King, but that's not Disney related. <laughs> the thing is, like I legitimately think people are more excited for Endgame than they are Star Wars at the moment. I I, they are. I feel like people are more invested into Avengers rather than Star Wars. Yeah. Which if you had told me like that that like a year ago, like before Infinity War came out, that would have sounded crazy to have said. But I think people are just so invested now in this universe. They can't wait to see what happens next with those characters. I can't really say the same for those Star Wars characters at the moment. Like, I I didn't think The Last Jedi was a bad film. I, I thought it was good. But I'm just not as invested in that universe, which kind of feels wrong to say, but I feel like that's how I feel at the moment. To show how strong um, the MCU is at the moment, if Captain Marvel comes out and people hate that film, I don't think that is going to impact Endgame. Hardly it's at, all. at this point. Yeah. I mean, just look at Ant Man and the Wasp. Like, I don't mm-hmm. think that got like great like consensus around the board. But it was just like, oh, okay, that was fine. Let's move on to the next game. It's it, it's got like that enough like tangents going on now. So you have got Spider Man coming up. You have got all these other films that you're like, there's always something for you in there. I mean, you just watch the other films as like, oh, okay, it's on at the cinemas. Let's go and see them. I mean, everyone has their like favorite like byline at the moment, and I think that's such a great setup to have. And I feel like that's what Star Wars tried to have with, like, Solo. And it just couldn't build it because they're trying too much too early on. Rather than where they built up from the characters up and then went into these massive arcing storylines with Avengers. So I went back and watched um, the first Spider- uh, Spider-Man, the first um, Iron Man, the other day. And it's incredible to think that that film was, what, 11 years ago now? Um, but from day one, this franchise has been has been strong because they've been putting out great individual films um and the fact that these uh you know avengers films where you've got all the characters coming together the fact they are are just as strong or even stronger than the standalone films uh, i think it's just a testament to just like you say that they're almost bulletproof at this point aren't they yeah, I totally agree. I did the road to Infinity War thing where you watch the film every week leading up to it, and and see how like how far that's like developed too. It's a bit like it's a bit like with Mission Impossible, just seeing it like expand upon what it is and then what it means to everyone. Like and and literally, I I I don't think anyone will challenge me, but like each phase at the moment has gotten way better than the previous phase. Like like literally, so maybe like like three or four years ago, I wouldn't be that excited, but. But now, like, they've got my faith, and I will always go and watch, like, like whatever they release now. Yeah, so. and I, I completely agree. Um, I don't think I've missed... Well, I haven't missed any Marvel film in the cinemas since, I think, Phase 1. Um, and I think that goes back to, like, the Hulk film. I think that may have been... And that's before we even knew that this was going to be the massive interconnected universe that it is today, um, which just goes to show how how strong it is. And it was also my first film that I watched. I think it was the first ever feature film that was shot entirely in IMAX. And seeing it on that screen was insane, seeing like the colours pop, like everything. It was just such a great atmosphere to be in. I saw it on the opening day with a full auditorium in the IMAX. And that kind of shared experience is something that doesn't really happen that often anymore. And it was just, I'm I'm so glad that I made that effort to go and see it in IMAX with a full auditorium. 
Um, okay, so at my number two, uh, I have A Star Is Born. Uh, this film is... Is this your number one? <laughs> so this is my number one, so shall we okay. speak about it as a shared thing then? Yeah, yeah, I tell you, you, you go ahead, it's your number one. Let's just talk about why it's your number one. So last year, I saw it um, in a small screen, and it was empty, and I, I didn't know why it was empty, because it's such a extraordinary film. I think I've seen it three or four times in cinema, the most recent time being in the IMAX re-release that we did about two weeks ago. And it's just incredible performance. And the fact that Bradley Cooper hasn't got an Oscar nomination really fucking winds me up because it was his first directing film. And just look at how it turned out. Everything was great in that film. The, 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 literally the story, the, the characters, the songs. Like, it was just such a well-crafted piece that, that was put together. And it could have gone so wrong so easily. Like, Lady Gaga, like, one of the, the best like performances this year, in my opinion. Literally, everyone, it just, it, 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 it was so good. Like, I don't really know is. how to explain how good I think this film is. I, I think this film is being very hard done by um, in some of the uh, uh, the award ceremonies, but as we'll talk about in the next podcast, award ceremonies are a bit bogus. Um, unless we ever win anything, of course. Um, but yeah, this this film, from start to finish, um, is, is incredible. The performances. I don't think you could have got a better performance out of anyone. If Daniel Day-Lewis was in this film, I don't think the performance would have been any better. Um, honestly, everything about this film I fell in love with. I found it heartbreaking. Uh, I found it authentic. Um, and I just think the the fact that this is, what, the fourth rendition of this story, of this film, and the fact that it still feels new, um, and the fact they've brought it into into modern day. I found some people say the most unrealistic thing about this film is the fact that it's about a rock star who's still trying to be relevant. And it's like, if you sin the film, you understand that that's his problem. He's not relevant anymore. Um, so that's a bit ludicrous. Uh, but this this film is so powerful. Honestly, it's it's. I think it's, you're going to be hard-pressed to find a film that's, that's more emotionally impactful. Um, I mean, than, those than last 15 film. minutes... Like, it, there was not a dry eye in any cinemas that I was there. Like, it was so powerful, those last 15 minutes. Like, we won't go into detail, but there's so much, like, worldcraft. Like, like, so many tiny things that happen, it just really, like, pulls on your heartstrings. Yeah, and I think, I honestly think it's going to be the kind of film that they'll teach in in film, uh, film schools um, at some point, because the sound design in this film... Now, it's it's can't be stated enough right <laughs> just how important a cinema uh, a cinema sound system is if the IMAX go- sound was incredible honestly if you go to the IMAX and you you have perfect sound for this film there is no film last year that was better than that honestly like the, the sound design is flawless and it, it needs to win it, need, it needs to win for sound design at least because I felt every chord in that film so I was watching some behind-the-scenes bits about this. Um, they had like an IMAX feature at the end that were kind of linked to it as a bonus thing to go and see it in the re-release. And they were talking about how they like recorded the sound like in actual music venues and shit like that. And that, and when they went to Glastonbury and performed like with like the very tiny bit that, that they filmed there, they were then taking acoustics from actual festivals so then they could impact those. It's just all that kind of crazy stuff and that level of detail that most films probably wouldn't even go into these days because they're so like time-stricken to get everything done on budget within a certain amount of days and it's felt like this film had like rooms to breathe and and put those finishing touches on where it's needed the fact this was his 
directorial debut is actually insane. <laughs> it, it's it's actually unreal, and I, I cannot wait. And his performance wait. as well. Like, yeah, I don't get. I don't really get like why he's not like the fo- the like forerunner for um, best actor in all these award ceremonies. Because like I don't, I don't really understand like how he could have given a, a better like performance in that film. Yeah, but I, th- I think the, one of the reasons why I don't think he was nominated for for best director, which is absolutely fucking ridiculous, is it, it goes back to the Ben Affleck situation when he wasn't nominated for Argo, despite the film being up for best screenplay, best actor, uh, best film, best everything. They just don't like people that are actor directors. They they just don't like the idea of that for some reason. But we'll go into that into our uh, Oscar uh, special. Uh, at some point. Uh, so a slight uh, gear change for my number one. It was very close. I had to go. My heart said, let's go for A Star Is Born. My head said, let's go for A Star Is Born. But I'm stupid and I'm heartless. <laughs> so, so my number one favourite film of the year, and it was only marginally, is Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. This film... Okay, I, 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 feel, I, I feel that sigh. But this film was so original, okay? I had so much fun. I laughed. I cared about these animated characters. And I just... I, I cannot wait to watch this film again. As soon as it comes on Sky, I'm going to watch this film again and again and again. It's a film that stayed with me, and I cannot recommend this film enough. I don't think enough people saw it. Um, it needs to win Best Animation, in my opinion. You clearly think differently if you think Coco is the best animated film of the year. <laughs> but everything... The, the, the fact they created the technology to make this film, uh, I, I just think it was incredible. Go yeah. on, Callum. Go on. So, <laughs> I, I thought this was a good film, but like it wasn't up there in my top films. But I, but I can totally understand why people like falling in love with it. Again, like it's it, it it's an art style that we don't really see at all, like at the moment. And I'm really excited about its potential for like expanded universes to be in this thing, like like literally like. Imagine Marvel taking this concept and then doing all the like really cool stuff. Like, it'd be so perfect for them to do this alternate universe where they can then explore these other story ideas. Um, I mean, obviously you got Spider Pig in this. It's just like full of like loads of niche references that comic book fans will love. Did you say for the post-credit scene? Yes, I did. Again, brilliant. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's it's a film that I think was was aware of uh, of who its audience was going to be. Uh, it's a film that was expensive and it was a, it was a very big risk um and i can see why this style of animation I, I doesn't really sit right with some people and i i can see that but for me to see it on the big screen um and it was just a, such a great year last year for spider-man we had uh, into the spider-verse which is obviously my favorite film uh, of the year we had um avengers infinity war where you know obviously tom holland's peter parker is is untouchable at this point or is he? Uh, 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 and we had obviously the, the Spider-Man PS4 game. So as a Spider-Man fan, last year was was all over the shop. Honestly, uh, it's, it was just an incredible year, uh, and topped off by my favourite film of the year, which was Spider-Man uh, Into the Spider-Verse. I've seen this in the IMAX again in a few weeks as as part of their IMAX film, and I feel like my opinion may change. Like like when I go back and see it, like knowing what more to expect from it. So I'm really excited to go and revisit. I'm very interested to see uh, if you like it more or less uh, when you watch uh, a second time. Um, 
shoot me a message in the DMs. <laughs> uh, so, so those are our uh, top 10 films of 2018. I'll quickly run through ours uh, from 10 to 1. Mine were Annihilation, Widows, They Should Not Grow Old, Avengers Infinity War, Black Klansman, Ladybird, Mission Impossible, uh, Fallout, Three Billboards, Slash uh, Isle of Dogs, A Star Is Born, and Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Cool. Mine is at number 10, Assassination Nation, followed by Black Klansman at number 9. At number eight, The Post. Number seven, Coco. Number six, Mamma Mia, Here We Go Again. Still feels wrong to say that. Um, number five, Ready Player One. Number four, Mission Impossible Fallout. Number three, Love, Simon. Number two, Avengers Infinity War. And at number one, A Star Is Born. Very nice. Very nice. Did you want to quickly run through a film that maybe someone had missed this year? Or perhaps uh, something we watched for the first time? So I think people should go and check out Assassination Nation. I don't really think the word of mouth was massive on that film and it just was one of my obviously top 10 films of this year that I think people probably missed. Yeah, but I, I think people need to um, watch They Should Not Grow Old. Um, I, I think that's a film that's, that's quite important uh, and I think it's a film that um, certainly the young generation, uh, just to give them a, a fresh uh, a fresh look at you know the, the hardships and the, the, the tragedy that was the First World War. Cool. Cool. So there you go. They got our annual podcast. We made it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Until 2020. (laughs) We will be back, hopefully, for an Oscars podcast next week. So hopefully you listen out for that. Um, And yeah, it it is to be a regular thing. Yeah, it is. It is a goal of ours um, to... Uh, to make this as regular as possible with any feedback um, on these on this podcast would be you know much appreciated to just be kind about it um, so I've been Brad you've been Callum we've been the Angry Microwave bye <laughs> <laughs>